Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Monday January the 23rd, 2023, on the day of prayer for the legal protection of unborn children, much to the chagrin of Nancy Pelosi, who still wants abortion on demand. Pray for her soul. We're going to be talking about that story coming out over the weekend that she apparently had asked for a priest to come over and perform exorcisms. Her local priest says that he doesn't think that actually happened, but... We're going to cover that story. Also, Father James Martin confirms his heresy over the weekend. That's an interesting story. Plus, we're going to talk to Tito Edwards at the top of the next hour about the passing of George Newmar. His very last interview was right here on this show. I put it on my Joe McLean uh, YouTube channel. You can find it there. Very sad still. I'm sort of still very sad to hear the news of his passing. We're going to talk about that in the next hour. But also coming up in this hour, 35 past, Father John Perricone is going to be our guest He's an adjunct professor at Iona University or Iona College. He put out an article a few weeks ago about a radical proposal to the USCCB. I mean, they want a Eucharistic revival? Okay, well, just how serious are you, USCCB? Because if you're serious about a Eucharistic revival, here's four things you can do right now to absolutely reverse the horrendous trend that we're seeing in this country in the Catholic Church. We're going to have that conversation at 35 past the hour. Do join us if you can. Lots of stories in the news, of course. A clinic in the Bronx, according to the mayor of New York, is starting to give out abortion medicine, abortion pills, to just about anybody. Yeah, whatever. Got a pulse? Here you go. Not sure what people are going to be doing with all of these drugs, besides killing babies, but nonetheless. Hey, a massive turnout at the first pro-row March for Life in D.C. Praise be to God. Huge crowd. Glad to see that. Post-row, right? Yeah, the, I said that. The first post-row March for Life. You said pro. Oh. Did I? Did I? <laughs> yeah. The first post-row, post-row March for Life. Thanks for the correction. Hey, a Department of uh, Justice has uh, revealed they found even more classified documents, thousands of documents, apparently, uh, at the Delaware home of President Joe Biden. Uh, deadly shootings in L.A. Ten people lost their lives. 72-year-old guy is the guy who apparently committed this crime, killed himself at a traffic stop. Antifa's mostly peaceful burning of cars and destroying of property in land over the weekend, apparently, according to uh, news articles. And uh, Seattle School District sues social media giants because, you know what, they're ruining kids' minds and and uh, their personalities and everything else. Duh. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. I'm suing them, too, because they ruined my personality and my mm. mind as well. Does Marie have a smartphone already? Absolutely not. She, she on Facebook? Not have, nope. She's got a YouTube nope. channel? Nope. Well, yeah, she does. She has <laughs> she has a uh, an overlanding a YouTube channel. It's called Maria's 4x4. Really? Yeah. What, Toyota? What are we talking about? Yeah, it's obviously, Cruiser, obviously a Toyota. Cruiser. It's lifted. It's obviously and, a Toyota. And this guy. everything takes place in Utah. <laughs> Toyota supremacy, huh? Oh, yeah, for okay. sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. You look frigid. 
Uh, it's nice and warm here in Houston. Is it? It's a nice and balmy 40 degrees outside. Yeah. Looks like you got some frostbite. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I totally did. My <laughs> lips are like burning. They had, I went to, I was in Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. And, uh, I like how you said that. Milwaukee. Everybody talks funny over there. I was, uh, I was walking cheese? around and everybody was talking funny. I'm like, man, why is everybody talk like this? And I was like, oh, wait, I'm not in Texas. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm the one that's talking funny. Okay, I get it. I see how it is. But Milwaukee was surprisingly, it was really nice. And it snowed. I got to see snow really? falling. It was pretty wild. And wow. I drove in snow. It was kind of scary. Did you go uh, ice fishing maybe? Or? I saw some people ice fishing. Did I, you? I walked over to the lake. Mm-hmm. And not on the lake. The lake was not frozen. But the uh, <laughs> pond next to the lake, it was frozen mm-hmm. solid. And some guy was sitting on top of it with a tent. <laughs> and they looked like he was ice fishing or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Go. Probably had like a little stove going on in there. So, keep probably. warm. I was like, this is Good so stuff. wild. Yeah, but it was, it was far too cold. But praise be to God. Uh, Emily Alcaraz mm-hmm. is no longer. It is now Emily Esterman. So pray for well, them congratulations, on Emily. their wedding. Yeah, praise be to God. So the wedding was beautiful. It was the Institute of Christ, the King of uh, Sovereign Priest. Mm-hmm. They had there was the mass there at Saint Stanislaus in in Milwaukee. Stunningly beautiful church. Amazing liturgy. I got to meet the canon afterwards, and it was it was really great. Awesome. Really nice. Praise be to God. Well, congratulations to Mister and Missus. Uh, very exciting news. I'm so glad you got to go. But uh, we have so much to cover today. Let's pray. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, January 23rd. And uh, Rudy Carlos here, your breaking news this morning. Let's see. This is from Breitbart. The headline goes, Leftist riot in Atlanta, light police cars on fire, and break windows. The protest reportedly began as a mostly peaceful demonstration in response to the death of a 26-year-old activist named Manuel Turan, who was killed during a police sweep after he exchanged gunfire with police that wounded a state trooper. The trooper remains unidentified and is reportedly in stable condition after being taken to the hospital for surgery. The AP reports, New USDA rule boosts organic food oversight and targets fraud. The new rule strengthens enforcement of the USDA's strict definitions of organic, which must rely on natural substances and physical, mechanical, or biologically based farming methods to the fullest extent possible. The Organic Trade Association, which lobbied for the rule, said it represents the biggest change to organic regulations since the creation of the USDA Organic Food Program. And that's good news for me because I always wonder if uh, that organic label really means anything when you... Uh, get any sort of uh, uh, grocery there. Washington Times reports, suspect in Monterey Park, California shooting found dead inside of a white van. The man suspected of killing 10 people on Saturday night in the Los Angeles area was found dead from a self-inflicted gun wound on Sunday inside of a white van that had been barricaded by police. The suspect, according to authorities, killed five men and five women and wounded at least 10 others at a dance hall on Saturday night, the eve of Lunar New Year, a major celebration in Asian American communities. And the Postmillennial reports Nancy Pelosi held exorcism in San Francisco home after Paul's hammer attack. 
Former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi tried to get an exorcism for her San Francisco home after 42-year-old David DePape allegedly assaulted Paul Pelosi with a hammer on October 28th. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. And the saint of the day is one of uh, my favorite saints, and that is another Dominican, St. Raymond of Penafort. St. Raymond of Penafort, Blessed Raymond, was born at Barcelona of the noble family Penafort in 1175. He became a doctor of canon law, and the Bishop of Barcelona, when returning to his diocese from Rome, visited Bologna in order to see him, and after most earnest entreaties, induced Raymond to accompany him to Barcelona. He was shortly after made canon and provost of the church and became a model to the clergy and people by his uprightness, modesty, learning, and meekness. His tender devotion to the Holy Mother of God was extraordinary. He never neglected an opportunity of zealously promoting the devotion and honor which her, which was due to her. When he was about 45 years of age, he made his solemn profession in the order of the friars preachers after hearing a sermon from Blessed Jordan of Saxony. He then, as a soldier, but just entered into service, devoted himself to the exercise of every virtue, but above all to charity to the poor, and this mainly to the captives who had been taken by the infidels. The Blessed Virgin appeared to Peter, as also to Blessed Raymond and to James I, King of Aragon, telling them that if it would be exceedingly pleasing to herself and her divine child, if an order of religious men were instituted, whose mission it should be to deliver captives from the tyranny of infidels. Whereupon, after delib deliberating together, they founded the Order of Our Lady of Mercy for the ransom of captives, and Blessed Raymond drew up the certain rules of life, which were admirably adapted to the spirit and vocation of the said order. Some years after, he obtained the approbation from Gregory IX and made St. Peter Nolasco, to whom he gave the habit with his own hands, the first general of the order. Pope Gregory ordered that he collected together in the volume called the Decretals, the decrees of the Roman pontiffs, which were to be found separately in the various councils and letters. He persuaded James, the king of Aragon, to establish in his dominions the holy office of the Inquisition. He worked many miracles, among which that is most celebrated as having, when returning to Barcelona from the island of Majorca, spread his cloak upon the sea and sailed upon it, in the space of six hours, the distance of 160 miles, and having reached his convent, entered into it through a closed door. At length, when he had almost reached the hundredth year of his age and was full of virtue and merit, he slept in the Lord in the year of his incarnation, 1275. He was canonized by Pope Clement VIII. St. Raymond of Penafort, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. The scribes who had come from Jerusalem said of Jesus, He is possessed of Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he drives out demons. Summoning them, he began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand, and if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. That is the end of him. 
But no one can enter a strong man's house to plunder his property unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Amen, I say to you. All sins and all blasphemies that people utter will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Ghost will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an everlasting sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Ignatius Catholic Commentary today said, The scribes utter blasphemy by attributing to Satan what is actually the work of the Holy Ghost. Their sin is not unfor unforgivable in principle, since no sin can place us beyond the reach of God's mercy. However, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a form of rebellion that is particularly grievous because it blinds people to their own need for forgiveness. In this case, sins are unpardonable when they are not confessed with contrition. And recently, in fact, there was a statement... Pope Francis trying to suggest to the seminarians in, in Spain that they should forgive all sins no matter what. Well, contrition is a key component to receiving that pardon. The Venerable Bede would say, Now there is a great difference between those who do not understand the Word of God from slowness of intellect, such as those who are here spoken of, and those who purposely blaspheme. For what they could not deny, they endeavor to pervert by a malicious interpretation, as if they were not the works of God, but of a most unclean spirit, that is, of Beelzebub, who was the god of Ekron. For Beel means Baal himself, and Zebub a fly. The meaning of Beelzebub, therefore, is the man of flies, on account of the filth of the blood which was offered, from which most unclean right they call him prince of the devils, adding, and by the prince of the devils casteth out the devils, close quote, the venerable bead. That image of these flies on the blood-soaked bodies of these demonic priests who offered human sacrifices to these demons, these devils in their idols, reminded me of the description I was reading just over the weekend, and Bernal Diaz's journal of Hernan Cortez's conquering of the Aztec Empire. He came to be charitable to the indigenous people. Read the original sources, you'll see it for themselves. In fact, he punished his own Spanish conquistadors whenever they abused the Indians. And even though he had to fight them, he tried to negotiate with them, but he would describe the look of these priests soaked in blood and the flies, the smell, the stench. They not only murdered these people, but they ate their limbs as well. Just like the people in, in the Holy Land, just like the people in Mexico, just like you and me, we all need to be freed from our own diabolic possessions. We'll be right back. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. 
Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth, plain absurdity. Now, the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Father John Paracone is going to be our guest. A uh, sort of a challenge. Throwing down the gauntlet to the USCCB. You want a Eucharistic revival? Fine. Fair enough. Here are four things you could do to truly make a difference, to truly turn things around, because some 70% of Catholics do not adhere, do not believe fully in what the Church teaches on the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist. And so he talks about four things they could, in fact, do in order to have a sincere Eucharistic revival. We'll have that conversation at 35 past the hour. Do join us if you can. And uh, that story, man, everybody's like, Nancy Pelosi called for exorcisms? Really? Would it even be valid? Well, it's an interesting story, nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, on the surface, can I just say, good. This is what we're supposed to do. As sinners, we're supposed to go to Holy Mother Church and ask for those tools, those graces that God has provided for us, his children, when we need it. And exorcism is one of those tools in the toolbox. So, good. That's This is a good thing, Nancy. This is a step in the right direction, but... Let's dive into the story a little bit. You mentioned it in your news break, but there was a little piece of information that was covered in the Daily Wire that I thought was fascinating. But here's a little bit. It says, Nancy Pelosi reportedly had priests perform an exorcism on her home after her husband, Paul, was attacked with a hammer by an alleged intruder. Now, you remember that story, right? This was three months ago, maybe four months ago now. Really? Was it that long? I think it's been that long. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a bizarre, it still is a bizarre story. The husband's in the house with this DePape guy who turns out to be sort of a, a crazy drug-fueled pervert of some kind. And, uh, like, the, it's just a weird, They Paul opens the door to the police, walks back towards DePape, and then he gets hit in the head at that point. It's just a weird, weird story. But nonetheless, the article goes on. Pelosi told a a columnist at the New York Times that it would be three or four months before he's really back to normal. Well, at his age, getting hit in the head with a hammer is probably a very significant event. Um, Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra, this is all the information you had covered. Says uh, Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra, said the altercation affected her mother much more than people realize. Quote, I think... That weighed really heavy on her soul. I think she felt really guilty, she said. I think that really broke her. Over Thanksgiving, she had priests coming trying to have an exorcism of the house and having prayer services. Close quote. Again, this is a good thing, but the article goes on. 
Father Arturo Albano, the pastor of St. Vincent de Paul Church, Pelosi's local parish, told the New York Post that no one from his staff was involved. Quote, as far as I know, no exorcism or priest services were performed at her home. Close quote. Albano told the Post. So who did she get then? Maybe an Orthodox priest? No, I was just kidding. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. But here's the thing I wonder about, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, in order for you to, let's say, for example, let's just, as an an example, marriage. If you come into the sacrament of marriage in a state of mortal sin, Mm -hmm. you're naturally not going to receive the fullness of the graces of that particular sacrament. So I wonder, you know, with Nancy Pelosi being so outspoken for abortion, Mm -hmm. And, you know, even Archbishop Cordelione putting a pause on her receiving Holy Communion, how much good is it going to be for her to go and get her house blessed? Which is why I'm asking the question. Yeah. Did she, ha- she, she must have gone outside the diocese. So who, what priest has authority to perform any exorcisms in someone else's diocese? You have to have the bishop's permission. Jurisdiction. Is, you have yeah. to, because only the bishop is the actual exorcist. He he delegates the duties to a priest, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Of course, some dioceses have not done that, unfortunately. But uh, but you can't just perform exorcisms simply because you're a priest. You have well, to have that jurisdiction. Here's a here's a theory. I My thoughts, when I first read it, was that it probably wasn't actually an exorcism, that it did happen, mm-hmm. but they're just not reporting correctly. Okay. And that it was simply a house blessing and probably normal exorcism prayers that mm-hmm. any Deliverance priest can prayers. say. Yeah. Um, and so that's my guess. Yeah. That, and so they could, he could, she could literally get any priest to do that. Mm-hmm. And just it was reported as, oh, Nancy Pelosi gets exorcism of home rather than she got a house blessing, essentially. You know, I was watching uh, Taylor Marshall's commentary on this as well, and uh, I think he brought up an excellent point, and and this is something we've talked to exorcists about, Father Lampert, Father Martins. uh, We've even talked to uh, um, others about this, Jesse Romero, for instance. You know, the the primary means of freeing yourself from diabolic harassment, chastisement, possession is a good and holy confession. Yeah. Going to confession, making a sincere confession, being actual, uh, actually having some remorse for your sins, and uh, and then receiving absolution, doing your penance, like that is your primary means of defense against the devil and the diabolic, living in a state of grace. And uh, you know, there has been some dust up and controversy over some recent statements of Pope Francis in Spain, trying to make it sound like they should always give absolution no matter what at any time. But that's actually not church teaching. Church teaching says you have to actually be sorrowful. You have to actually be sorry that you committed these sins. That you, you know, pr- ideally that you broke, y- you hurt God. Y- you hurt your relationship with God. You broke God's heart by committing that sin. And uh, if nothing else, you could always just be afraid of hell. That that could work too, but it's not as great as saying, man, God, I'm really sorry. I, I truly am sorry that I broke your heart. And so if nothing else, you could go make a sincere confession. But as we see over, over the weekend, um, she is still celebrating abortion as a primary thing in her political and worldview, which is absolutely contrary to natural law and to church law. And to theology, she says in her Twitter feed today, we should be rec- we should be uh, commemorating. This is Nancy Pelosi's words on her Twitter feed today. We should be commemorating 50 years of Roe v. Wade. 
But the Republican-controlled Supreme Court tore up this landmark ruling last summer, jeopardizing the health, freedom, safety of women across the country. We must keep fighting to enshrine Roe into law, close quote, Nancy Pelosi. So that tells me that she is definitely not contrite uh, of this, this mortal sin of abortion, that she would not only uh, want others to embrace it, but she would make it her duty. And she has made it her duty as a public servant to try to make this the law of the land. And she continues to remain stubborn in that. So, you know, my advice to Nancy Pelosi is repent and believe in the gospel while there is still time. You're no spring chicken. We don't know how you got you got fewer days ahead of you than you got behind you. So now is the chance. Now is the time to make it true and good and holy confession be contrite for all your sins come back to holy mother church with your whole heart return to god with your whole heart and god's mercy will be granted to you praise be to god wouldn't that be amazing to find and to hear and to learn that the pelosi family had a reversal and a conversion of heart i think that would be an amazing thing and i would pray for that i would ask everyone to pray for that too But speaking of heresies, over the weekend, we had another story come out with uh, another heresy that's sort of being perpetuated as though it is true. It is not. And this is a headline out of the Breitbart. It says, Jesuit Father James Martin says gay marriage is marriage. Is it now? Hmm. I'm not so sure, Father. Uh, Father James Martin, an LGBT advocate, affirmed Saturday his belief that two men can enter into a real marriage that must be recognized as such. Responding to Bill Donahue, president of the Catholic League of, for Religious and Civil Rights, who proposed that Pete Buttigieg, same-sex marriage to his partner, Chasten, is not a true marriage, but rather a legal fiction. Father Martin countered that Pete Buttigieg is married. The Catechism of the Catholic Church defines marriage as a covenant by which a man and a woman from uh, form with each other an intimate communion of life and love. For their part, the United States bishops note that a growing movement today favors making those relationships commonly called same-sex unions the legal equivalent of marriage, a proposal that the Catholic Church rejects. Marriage is a faithful, exclusive, lifelong union of a man and a woman joined in an intimate community of life and love. The bishops declare, while man and woman are equal, they are different, but made for each other. These truths about marriage are not mere religious beliefs, but are present in the order of nature and can be perceived by the light of human reason, the bishops add. In the longer essay to which Father Martin was responding, Bill Donahue asserts that no man can have a husband any more than a man can bear a child. He can say he does, but that doesn't make it true. Nature can be stubborn. It is not a social construct. It is fixed. The sooner we learn this uh, verity, the better off our society will be, Donahue declared. So what should we call chasten? If he is not Buttigieg's husband, his partner, he said. The two of them may not like it, but truth is not determined by what is popular. It is determined by what makes sense according to nature and nature's God. Close quote. That's the article out of Breitbart. Father James Martin continues to persist down this road, embracing what is, in fact, uh, not true. It is heresy. It is, it is a fabrication. It is a falsehood. It is a lie. 
And yet he gets away with it. He is not corrected publicly by his bishop or his superior, rather, since he's a religious, he's Jesuit. Neither does it get corrected by the Vatican, it seems. Um, it just keeps going on and on. And yet people like Frank Pavone, then only not only do they get corrected for for their perceived errors, their stubbornness, their uh, you know their lack of obedience, they get laicized. Well, isn't Father James Martin persisting in in uh, disobedience? He's being disobedient to Holy Mother Church and her teaching. He's being disobedient by perpetuating a lie as though it is true upon the world. And how harmful could that be to so many souls? Hmm. I wonder if it comes down to just his politics that matters most, rather than the faith. Be married to the church and her teaching, not to a political party. Let the chips fall where they may. doesn't matter whether Republicans or Democrats embrace these things as much as this is what Christ has given to us, his children, his brothers and sisters, to the world. He gave us his mother. He gave us his apostles. He gave us his church. He gave to the apostles the four corners of the earth, which prior to that moment seemed to belong to the devil and the demons. He bound the strong man for a time so that the apostles could go forth and, uh, and evangelize and convert many, many souls. As the prophecy in Daniel's uh, book tells us that the kingdom uh, of the world was handed over to the church herself. And for a time, she converted all so many souls. But it seems like we've entered into a different time now, haven't we? A time where we are post-Christendom, a time where apostasy rises, where people say truth is error and error is truth. A time where many are deceived. Many go out looking for new and flashy little Christs. But don't go out and don't go find them and don't believe these errors. Hold fast to what is true, good, and beautiful. Hold fast to the one holy and apostolic, Catholic and apostolic church. Even if your friends and your family don't, you should. Let us go to make a, a good and holy confession. Let us be contrite for our sins and return to God with our whole heart and pray for those that refuse. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so, if we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. 
Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's another story for you. This one's from Catholic News Agency. Headline is, Second Bystander is Ensnared by police, uh, by English Ban on Prayer Outside of Abortion Clinics. This is a police story of England, of course. Amid continuing controversy over strict limits on behavior outside of abortion clinics in some English cities, a man faces a fine for praying silently outside of one clinic in memory of his dead son. He says, quote, I would never have imagined being in a position to risk a criminal record for praying silently, Adam Smith Connor said, according to the legal group supporting him, Alliance Defending Freedom UK. Smith Connor had approached a British pregnancy ad advisory, ser advisory service abortion facility in Bournemouth, in the southwest English county of Dorset. He intended to pray for his unborn son who had died in an abortion he helped procure at a similar facility more than two decades ago. Smith Connor stood silently with his back to the clinic with the with respect to the privacy of the staff and visitors, according to Alliance Defending Freedom UK. Community safety officers inquired about what he was doing, and Smith Connor replied, quote, I'm praying for my son who was deceased, unquote. They replied saying, I'm sorry for your loss, but ultimately I have to go along with the guidelines of the public space protection order to say that you are in, we are in belief that therefore you are in breach of clause 4A, which says about prayer and also acts of disapproval. He says, I'm just standing here praying, Smith Connor said. And he replied, I do understand that, but the protection order is in place for a reason and we have to follow through with those regulations, the officer replied. If you are interested in this story, we did have another interview with Isabel Vaughn Spruce from the UK March for Life, who was also arrested for silently praying. It's a fascinating story of thought crime. She stood there praying quietly, and a police officer came and arrested her. Please uh, check out our YouTube channel. Search for Catholic Drive Time on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can make sure to check out that interview with Isabel Vaughn Spruce. And in the meantime, if you're looking to uh, keep yourself informed and inspired, make sure to check out GRN online forward slash GRN uh, forward slash CBT. Excuse me. <laughs> Those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. A radical proposal for the USCCB's Eucharistic Revival. Father John Perricone is our guest. He joins us now by phone. Good morning to you, Father John. Good morning to you, Rudy. Uh, well, we're very grateful for your time today, Father. Thank you again for being on with us. I really enjoyed your article. Now, it got put into several outlets, but the one I read it in was a Crisis Magazine, crisismagazine.com. And you start the article off by talking about the Pew Research that came out in 2020, where some 70% of Catholics polled said they did not hold to the Church's teaching on the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And this should have shaken the very foundations of Holy Mother Church and the bishops. How do you see their response? It's tepid. <laughs> tepid at, at best. I, I, I suppose some of them uh, must have been jolted into reality by that, that research. 
but clearly the empirical evidence had to be demonstrating to them that something was deeply, deeply wrong with the manner in which Catholics are going about in their Eucharistic practice. Um, and, and so, thank goodness, a number of them were able to talk about this Eucharist revival. Um, I, I think it's going to be, uh, uh, well, you know, it, they're going to do with this problem what they've done with other problems in the, their 60-year history, uh, throw a lot of money at it, and uh, just give us more of the same. It's like telling firemen to come to a three-alarm fire and have them put it out with gasoline. I don't think they'll really be doing all that much um, because these these practices that I'm proposing to to uh, rehabilitate are so foreign to them, mm. and they're even more foreign to the Catholic people. Uh, they might think they're part of another religion. Uh, we have a lot of work to do. So what will the bishop's response be? What has it been? I think they're terrified that um, uh, trying to rock the boat on an issue that has been so deeply entrenched into the minds of Catholics, steering them off the way of faith, I, I think the bishops think is, is entirely too formidable. So they'll be doing something by, you know, patching things up here and there and giving an ostensible address to this, so at least they could say, uh, we know what was happening in for instance, I'll give one. There is a there is a bishop on the eastern seaboard who had a meeting with his board of consultants about a month ago, and uh, he said, uh, "Well, you know, what is this Eucharistic revival we have to do?" And these priest consultants said, "Well, I, I don't know what should we do." And, and the bishop said, "Well, I think we should just simply enforce um, three minutes of silence after the reception of communion. I think that will do it." <laughs> <laughs> wow, magic. Now that's a true story. I can tell you, because I, I, I have the eyewitness who was there at the meeting. But that's going to be the reception it gets pretty much everywhere. Mm. You know what's... Um, in- uh, uh, my, my intention in writing the article was simply maybe to wake up some of the, the 70% yeah. that just, uh, you know, through no fears of Rome will, will let it drift. And the article might say, well, wait a minute, there seems to be some common sense here. Mm. What well, what I found interesting about something you said a second ago was um, in thinking about accountability, for instance, in, in the corporate world, in the secular world, in the lay r- world, uh, if I was running a corporation and uh, we, our sales were plummeting, our our value was plummeting, our you know our stockholders were losing their shirts, there'd be an accounting. <laughs> there would be there would someone be held accountable, and probably I'd get fired. But when you look back at the statistics uh, from the CARA, uh, which is uh, kept on Georgetown University's website, and you look back to the last 50, 60 years, you see that uh, everything is negative. The only one positive category in all the statistics, everything else, parish closures are going uh, up. There's a lack of priests, uh, no religious vocations. People aren't getting married, let alone baptized. They're not educating their kids in Catholic schools anymore. Uh, but there are more permanent deacons. There is that. That's the only positive category there is. Mm-hmm. That's growing. Uh, but otherwise, mm-hmm. everything else is really a very negative number. And yet, when they talk about why it is or what they should do about 70% of Catholics not adhering to what the Church or believing in what the Church teaches about the true presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, they don't even want to take an account of what has gone on over the past 50, 60 years, and actually understand its cause and its roots, and then address those. They seem to ignore that completely. What say you, Father Paracone? 
uh, let's remember the nature of ideology, Rudy. The ideologue wears blinders. He only sees the nature of his ideology, and and uh, the evidence be damned. Uh, it makes no difference to him. Uh, and, and, and that's what I think most of the bishops are wearing lenses of ideology, the ideology of the spirit of Vatican II. And therefore, they would rather push through on this ideological purity and, and then listen to any viewpoint that would in any way demure from that ideological purity. And yes, they have empty churches, and it makes no difference. Remember what they, you said about communism, the reason why it didn't succeed because it was really never tried. Um, mm. Well, they would say to themselves, well, you know, the spirit of Vatican II still needs to be tried, and, and we really haven't tried it enough, and, and that's the reason why the, the results are, are happening as, as we see before our eyes. But when you have these ideological blinders on, Rudy, you are not going to accept empirical evidence to the contrary on any of these issues. Um, they are going to move full steam ahead. Yes, there'll be empty churches, but um, you see, this is the price of the new springtime. They have mm. to have a fall before we have spring. I was just listening to a bishop, which I'll go unnamed, on I don't ever watch podcasts, but I happened to be looking for an old 1940s movie on YouTube, and alas, there was this bishop. And someone was raising to him the uh, the idea of the Second Vatican Council. I'd written an article about that. He was not referring to my article, though, regarding the six years. And and uh, he it was quoted to him this this um, perceptive article by Ross Stalfat of the New York Times, where he said it was failure and we have to move on. Well, this bishop was apoplectic. He said, "Oh no, no, no! Uh, it was a wonderful council, and we have to embrace it. And unfortunately, it might have been implemented slightly badly in some places, but otherwise, we have to keep on cheerleading it." Uh, my goodness gracious, every continent on the face of the earth, the faith has declined deplore, shockingly. Mm. And still there are these ideological blinders. And this was a young bishop, Rudy, who is defending the indefensible. Mm. I don't want to bring into question the Second Vatican Council. I'm simply saying that this notion of the spirit of the council, which um, just fills all of them, seems uh, to be the, 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 the ruling factor here, and they do not want to brook any kind of dissent from it. Um, too bad. Father, you know, you bring up a good point. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm wondering about this uh, uh, Eucharistic revival, I, I do believe, you know, it is necessary. I think it's a good thing that uh, at least we're, we're, we're talking about the, this, uh, this crisis here, because it really is a crisis. But I'm wondering, you know, uh, to to speak about the the bishops. I don't want to criticize them all too much. You know, there's it's hard to to just paint them all with a broad brush. But I think mm -hmm. there's a an element of absurdity uh, that that they're calling this Eucharistic revival when it seems to me over the past sixty years there've there's been several people who have uh, had a, a, an influence to change this, and uh, now only now, sixty years later, we're talking about this. Uh, Eucharistic revival. What say you? Uh, well, well, that's true. And you're right. You are. There are individual bishops who are are, are striving to reinculcate a proper devotion of Eucharist, but it, it, it means heavy lifting on on part of parishes and where they expect to get seminarians. The seminaries where the
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote any like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Holy raffle, Batman! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, How do we get tickets? Easy, Batman. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Father John Pericone is our guest. He's got an article over Crisis Magazine, crisismagazine.com, a radical proposal for the USCCB's Eucharistic revival. And Father, welcome back to the show. I would agree we do need a revival. I think that's clear. I think the not only the statistics, but just the, the circumstantial evidence that we all see in front of us, the closing of churches, the selling off of properties, the abandoning of the faith by the faithful, the ever-growing atheistic secular society around us, the depravities that seem to increase. All of this gives us that moment to say, duh, yeah, there's a big problem, and we need a revival. But I, as I said in the first segment, I'm not so convinced that I would agree in the way most bishops would say we should go about that revival. Um, so you offered four four key things that they could do that might have a substantial effect and maybe make for a successful revival. Take us through those. Well, the first I, I, I talked about was the return of the tabernacle to the center of every single church. Ordinary men like you and I, Joe, live by symbol and symbolic significance. When something is uh, at, at, at the, the, the center of, of, of a room, of, we know that it, it takes on an incredible importance. Mm. And that's what the church always recognized about the tabernacle, the real presence of our Lord. It should be squarely in the center, in the most prominent place in every church. Um, that had been uh, departed from in most churches throughout the world. If we return our Lord to the center, and the minds of most Roman Catholics will recognize that the center of our church is the Eucharistic presence. The second I talked about is we have to abolish communion in the hand. Mm. Again, any simple person on the street knows that what you handle is common. Right. It's pedestrian. Yeah. It's ordinary. What you're forbidden to handle is precious, important, and, and sinful in a person's life. It's very simple logic. Uh, of course, the spirit of the Vatican, two people, 
tried to raise all these silly arguments about ancient practice and what part of the body is sacred. Those are all canards. And there was another gender they had in mind, and I talked about it in my article. Now, we have to abolish communion in the hand. That will speak volumes to ordinary Catholics in every single parish. I talked about abolishing the for extraordinary ministers. Um, recognizing two realities would be preserved here, Joe. The, rea- the pressure is the sacredness of the priesthood, the consecrated hands of the priest. When has a Catholic heard that expression? Right. Yeah. 60 years. The consecrated hands of the priest, and will, and therefore the sacredness of the priest, and then will also be, uh, be preserving the, the dignity, the sacredness the holiness, the ineffable holiness of the Eucharist, which ought not to be handled the way we do Starbucks coffee cartons. Mm. And and finally, uh, uh, I, I the final proposal is kneeling for communion. Yeah. This is part of that whole symbolic package that the Catholic would recognize, I, I'm doing something extraordinary here. I'm doing something outside of the experience of my ordinary life. My goodness gracious. That probably mean I have to do something about my own soul. Again, when has a Catholic created about saving their souls in the past 50 years? Those are my four proposals. You know, very fascinating to think about, really. If you, I think most Catholics probably have never really put much thought into each of these things that you've mentioned and their significance and why they would matter. And I would argue, as you point out in your article, that maybe most Catholics would find these things shocking that you would propose these. Like, what? Mm -hmm. This is crazy. Like, what world do you live in, Father? Well, okay, Uh, let's talk about action, physical actions, taking an action here. Uh, If the President of the United States uh, walked into the room, would we remain seated? Would it matter who that person was, or whether he was Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or Ronald Reagan? We would all stand, would we not? We would, out of respect for the office of the executive uh, president of our country. We would stand. It would make sense. Of course we would. The judge walks into a court. What do we do? We all rise. So if the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, uh, the, the Savior of all humankind, who gives us his flesh to eat and his blood to drink, would we do something so common? Would we, Or would we not get on our knees? Like, say, John the Apostle did in the book of Revelation. Uh, or Daniel the prophet in front of an angel, fell almost dead to his face. And yet so many Catholics just take so common these things that have such greater significant meaning, do they not? Oh, absolutely. Moses taking off his shoes the sacred ground, Peter falling to his knees, depart from me, I am a sinful man. St. Thomas, um, before the risen Christ, we can go on and on, Jeff. Yeah. Um, but but you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a theologian to recognize any of this. Um, a third grader could recognize it, that I'm doing something completely different when I'm approaching the tabernacle, whether it's a genuflection or on two knees to receive our Lord, because this is, as you say, the King of Kings, the creator of heaven and earth. Um not to follow these proposals, Joe, is simply counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. It's flying in the face of religious common sense. Father, you know, there's so much history that has um, sort of been lost of time or maybe just hasn't been uh, out there all that often. And one of the things I found surprising about your article was you talk about uh, Pope Paul VI and his fear of communion in the hand. Could you tell us a little bit more about his statements on communion on the hand? 
I, I remember that document so well. I was in seminary when it was issued. Uh, I'm always ordained a priest because in the United States of America, that practice began around 76. But um, this has troubled me deeply when I, certain European countries are doing it. Mm. And I, I was so happy when he issued the statement. He, he polled the bishops of the world. Should we introduce this practice? And three quarters of them said no. And, and for the reason I gave in the article, he said this is an, not only an ancient practice and therefore should be respected in our tradition, but it upholds your Party. It reminds Catholics of what they are receiving. It, 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 and also it holds at bay any possible profanation. Um, this is wonderful. Now, unfortunately, his pope was rather Hamletian, and he, um, after issuing that statement, he did disappoint us by uh, uh, allowing the wholesale uh, adoption of communion in the hand, in spite of a whole document being devoted to its value and warning signals about neglecting it. Um, yes, but as you know, he did disappointing things in his papacy, upheld him on a vitae in 68, and then never enforced it. Um, no one's perfect, I suppose. Let me ask you a question, Father. Is it too late? Is uh, the, the cat out of the bag, so to speak? Uh, or is it possible to truly have a revival and, and, and impose these or implement these four suggestions, these proposals that you make? Is it possible for the Church in mass to embrace this again? Absolutely. Look at this marvelous program that you had. You, you rival the major programs in New York City in your presentation and, 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 and your expertise and, and uh, all the great qualities you need to be a good radio personality. You ordinary laymen are doing this in so many places. Other, um, other venues have taken up my article throughout the country have been funding me, and I'm just so impressed by the power of the lady. If lay, laymen en masse, started because they listened to your program, ceased receiving communion in the hand and started kneeling before the priest in spite of his flailing and yelling that they shouldn't. Um, things would begin to change uh, because uh, that's where change always comes from in the history of the church. It's from good laymen like you coming together and doing the valuable work you're doing in a radio program like this. Um, yes, it's going to end, and, but it's going to end because of you and, and the massive amount of of young of of Catholics, especially young Catholics, mm-hmm. whom I see uh, coming to mass. I, I say it's a traditional mass, and, and it's filled with young Catholics like yourselves and young Catholic families. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm full of confidence. This is going to happen because of you and good young Catholics like you. Now, I'm a traditional Catholic as well. Uh, something that's benefited my family immensely. Can't speak enough about it. And yet, it seems like the traditional Catholic communities are the ones most under attack today. Uh, coming out of the Vatican, it seems like we might be a part of the solution and not the problem, but many hierarchy feel it's the other way around. Well, well, of course, because uh, if, if you've been inebriated with this, this motion of the spirit of the Vatican Council ideology, uh, you're going to see your families and many families like it as being the, the, the enemy, which I think good traditional Catholics should bear in mind when the attacks continue to come. You know, when, a, when an animal is wounded, he, he attacks in the most vicious ways. Uh, we'll overcome this, uh, just as the early Christians did in the first 300 years of our, in the history of the Church, and uh, we're going to uh, emerge victorious. 
um, because you see, they're worried. I'm, I'm in the midst now of writing an article, Joe, entitled "Rome: We Have a Problem," and it's going to be this. This the, the, the nature of the article is this: progressivist bishops throughout the world are, are phoning in Rome and saying, mm. "We have a problem with these Orthodox Catholics." I mean, they're growing in leaps and bounds, and they just not drinking the Kool Aid and. And, and we're losing them in droves, and no matter what repressive measures you people are giving us, it's not working. Yeah, yeah, it's not. <laughs> we are it's down working, to though. the wire now with Father John Perricone, uh, talking about his article, which I highly encourage you to read, A Radical Proposal for the USCCB's Eucharistic Revival at crisismagazine.com. you got about uh, 30 seconds, Father. Uh, is the burden going to be on the new seminarians, the next crop of priests? Do you think they're going to have to do all that heavy lifting? Oh, absolutely. And they, uh, I keep on telling them when I go and address the groups of them, uh, I might, especially my, my friends in Charlotte, North Carolina, where the finest seminary in North America is being produced, um, I tell them they're, they're going to be facing a martyrdom because um, they're going to be facing ideologized Catholics who don't know any better, and as these good priests, seminarians who become priests, begin to introduce these changes, there's going to be walls of opposition and denunciations, and these guys have to be like tough Marines. They have to take on the fire, and they are going to, in the end, be victorious. And, and they're ready for it. They're ready for it. And they make me very proud. I certainly hope that they don't get canceled as a result of that courage, which seems to be well, a part of the, the trends that they do. Really <laughs> <laughs> well, praise be to God. We're uh, we're out of time now. Father John Perricone, a radical proposal for the USCCB's Eucharistic Revival. I encourage everyone, please read this article. Crisismagazine.com is the website. Crisismagazine.com. God bless you, Father. We'd love to have you back soon. Uh, I'd really enjoyed our conversation. I would love to do that, Joe. God bless your work. All right. God bless you, too. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us. We always appreciate having you on board. If you can join us in the next hour, we would love to have you. More great conversation, the game show, and so much more. Do us a favor. Share us with a friend. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. It's a myth that there's a perfect way to be a parent. The reality is that every family, every couple, every child is different. But when parents work together, they can figure it out. We have 10 kids of our own, so we know this path is not an easy one. We used to think that it was our job to make our children into saints. Now we realize that it's their job to make us into saints. This parenting thing is full of dying to self, hardships that are both physical and emotional. Parenting makes you more aware of your sinfulness and weakness more than almost anything else you will ever do. But this is exactly where God wants us, so he can shower us with his mercy and love. God doesn't love us in spite of our humanity. He loves us because of it. Parenting is our path to holiness. And as we change and mature, we will be better parents. We may even become saints. To get more advice and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org. Father John Bartunik, in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, 
self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse He has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com. Hi, I'm Megan. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Make the Eucharistic revival great again. I mean... I guess we never had one. Now it's time for one. Praise be to God. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a great interview with Father Pericone. It was. It was. Yeah, he uh, he has some pretty good points here. I think that that really will bring about an authentic revival. Yes. A real, as they say here in the mm. South, a revival. A revival. Do we say that? In the uh, Eucharist. Glory and praise. Amen. Uh, but just think of it this way. It's a wonderful opportunity. Like... The bishops can go, you know what? Sky's the limit. Like, we could go, we could go crazy on this and uh, go, go for an actual conversion of all, all the world, all society, if they wanted to. They could sit down and say, you know, what if we just, I don't know, got rid of all the mm. things that maybe mm-hmm. kind of destroyed the faith in you? Nah, I don't know. Just well, I, I don't want out. to be too crazy here, but yeah. yeah. Could be interesting. We'll see. Could you know, be. One thing that I, I thought was like, you know what I really wish? What I could have brought up mm. was the idea that, you know, the whole the reason we had communion on the hand was an indult given by Pius VI, or Paul VI, rather. Paul VI was given this, this indult saying, hey, let's test out communion on the hand and re- let's report back in a few months and see how it goes. Did it help increase devotion to the Eucharist? And if not, then we'll take it back. And I was like, well, did that ever happen? Where did, mm. Why did we never have that report? Why yeah. did we never follow up with that? Right. I, I really think that should be something that should be looked into. I agree. I agree. So if you missed the Father Paracone conversation, let me encourage you to jump on the podcast and listen to that. You'll be able to find it at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can also find it on the mobile app, which you can download in your iOS or Android app store today. Look for the Guadalupe Radio Network. You'll be able to download that free and get the local live radio feed, clear as crystal, 24-7. No more static. Just listen to it on your mobile app. It's fantastic. You can also get the schedule of upcoming programs, contact information for your local GM and radio station, as well as the podcast in the flyout or the menu tree, the three bar. What do they call the that? The three dots. What, what did we decide it was officially called? The menu dots. The menu dot. They're just called dots, the bars. Flyout makes sense. The flyouts. Anyway, uh, that's all in your mobile app. But 
don't forget, you get your opportunity to win a brand new Mercedes up until February, uh, coming up the end of February. February 24th is when the drawing is going to happen, and you could win a brand new CLA 250 2023 Mercedes in polar white. It's a beautiful car, and it will look good on you. I promise you. It comes pre-installed with a Catholic Radio bumper sticker. Uh, no extra charge for that on your Mercedes. I, I, I had a friend once, a donor, when I was GM in Houston. She had a, like, a very expensive Mercedes. We're talking mm. north six figures. Okay. And she, and she put the sticker on. She's like, Ooh. she said to me. But only on the glass. No, no. She put it on the <laughs> bumper. She put it on the bumper. And she's like, listen. Nobody puts bumper stickers on a six-figure Mercedes, but I did. <laughs> I was like, wow. Super fan. Yes, I was so impressed. Praise be to God. At any rate, you could win this car. $25 a piece. A book of five for 100 bucks, which means you get an extra one for free. Go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle for the details for all the rules. And you can purchase your raffle tickets right there very quickly, very securely. grnonline.com forward slash raffle but if you want to be uber cool a, a giga chad as the kids say then call your local station manager and ask them how to get your tickets and how you might help them sell more tickets to support your local grn radio station you can find their contact information on the website or on your mobile app as i said grnonline.com all right praise be to god very grateful to have our good friend Tito Edwards in the house again from BigPulpit.com. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Joe, Rudy, and Adrian. How are you all doing? Uh, praise morning. be to God. We are alive, and that counts. How are you? I'm doing great, great, great. I, I've, uh, I have uh, an idea. Uh, uh, I have something to explain about Vatican II. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Why is Vatican II just like socialism? <laughs> no, not, well, <laughs> I'm afraid to ask. Why? Why is it? Because this time we'll implement it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. I'm writing that one down. I may steal that for later. I don't know. Yeah, hey, on Friday we learned while while we were while we were talking. Was it Friday? Show. Yeah, it was Friday yeah. during the after show. We learned. That uh, our friend George Newmar passed away while in Africa. We had just talked to him. We had interviewed him. In fact, I'm pretty sure we are the last interview he he gave. I posted that on my YouTube channel, by the way. Um, it kind of shook me. We had talked to George on a number of occasions. He was, as Michael Hitchborn said to me, and I, I texted Michael to uh, to verify while we were on the air because I we saw the information from from Lepanto. And he verified it. Now, he was friends with George for years, and he knew the family. And so he was able to confirm to me that he, in fact, did pass away. But I know you have a couple of articles linked up over BigPulpit.com today on George. Tell me what you got linked up. It's a tribute from the American Spectator, where he is the, was the senior editor. And also, uh, the, same, uh, the, the same day that you found out, I linked to the Lepanto tweet that explained it all. So th th those are the two links. Also, I can confirm from a different source that is close to uh, George Numar and uh, his family that, yes, he was sick for seven days prior to his passing. His family was well aware of it. It's just that uh, uh, 
George did not did, did not want to accept that he was sick and refused to go see the doctor. Mm. And that may explain why he never mentioned it on Twitter. Wow. That is, uh, I went and prayed a rosary for him Friday at our church. Um, it, it, it was kind of shocking, to be honest, to, uh, to hear this news. This is a guy, one of the things I was thinking about when I was praying for him uh, at my parish was who's going to replace him? I mean, this is a guy who does the kind of things, the kind of journalism that most don't. This is the guy who chased down McCarrick when he was being hid. Uh, you know, nobody wanted to, wanted to have him being interviewed. George tracked the guy down, went to the house, and was like, answers, we need answers. We, this guy needs to give an account for his crimes. That was George that did that. George is the yes. guy who was uh, went and uh, un, you know was talking about the the scandals at the National Shrine. He got you know put on the "You're Never Allowed Here" list at the National Shrine. Uh, Bishop Nystow put him on his "You're Never Allowed uh, Here" list at his cathedral just recently. George is the guy who spent his career calling a spade a spade, and yet was still sort of a gentle giant in many ways. You would talk to him; he's not. He wasn't uh, flamboyant. He wasn't ostentatious. He wasn't arrogant. You know, do you know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at? Yes, he was a normal guy, just like you and you and I. I was speaking, not speak to him per se, but I was communicating with him uh, the week prior, and that's the first time I got to talk, uh, communicate with him directly. And I, I came away with like, I cannot wait for him to return back from the states, and I'd want to follow up and have a chat with him. He was a delightful person to talk to. He leaves a huge gaping hole in Catholic journalism. He was the very few that went in and uh, without regret was very pugnacious, but got in and, and found this, the source of the problem and went and uh, uncovered it. And, and unfortunately, uh, many, many people uh, up in the hierarchy did not appreciate uh, him looking for the, the, the dirt so to speak. And, and yes, I feel the same way you do, even though I, I barely knew the guy, I just had a, a hole in my heart, uh, somewhat of a deep sadness that I can't believe he was gone. He's just like that. Yeah. I found out fr Friday, uh, noonish. Mm. Apparently he was over there preparing for a book. Yes, he was uh, doing research, uh, writing in a book on Catholicism in Africa, and was uh, it, it seemed like he was formulating his, his thesis, his uh, theme as he was going along that debunking the, the storyline that Catholicism in Africa is booming. Uh, he showed empty churches. He showed the, the biggest cathedral, basilica in all of Africa, literally empty. Besides him and and the and the uh, and the tour director, there was a total of three people in yeah. there when he went. So right. it, it would have been for an interesting read. That was the conversation we had with him just ten days ago. Now, so right before he got sick, he was sharing with us how he was seeing all of these empty churches there. And how the faith was declining so rapidly because they had embraced all the modernist issues. And yet evangelicalism was on the rise, and so was Islam.
And, um, and this was a very concerning story. And he was obviously like, listen, we can't pretend anymore. It doesn't help anybody to just pretend as though everything is fine. It's not fine. It's really, really not fine. And uh, he was very passionate about this. Um, he he spent he was over there for weeks already, and I guess he was going to spend even more time in preparing for for this upcoming book. And I'll never forget reading the Political Pope, um, which was his book on the early years of Pope Francis's pontificate. You know, this is a guy who just had such incredible courage to deal with issues very, very forthrightly. And I asked the question again: Who's going to replace him? Is there anybody out? I mean, you have a lot of people, a lot of Catholic journalists that are dealing with these issues forthrightly. I mean, there are, I mean, even like Raymond Arorio or Edward Penton. I mean, there are others. I get it. But there's only one George Newmar. There's only one guy who had the courage to to get tossed out of national shrines and, 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 and cathedrals on a routine basis. There's only one guy who had the courage to knock on a bishop's door and confront him for what is very, very uh, public scandal uh, in covering up sex abuse. That was George Newmar. That was George Newmar. I, I, I don't know where it's going to come from. Hopefully the Wanderer newspaper or, or, or Michael Hitchborn himself will, will dig that gem of, uh, uh, of a neo-George Newmar mm-hmm. that will go in there and uh, f- find out where the rod is and go and expose it do the interviews, do the groundwork, uh, and at the same time, a very amicable fellow. It's, it's somebody that you'd want, you'd want to be friends with. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, and, and I just knew him for that. I've known him for years, but I, I only got to communicate with him for about seven days. And I was looking forward to talking to him more when he, he was wow. uh, not as focused as he was on his current project, returning back to America. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know where the next George Newmar will come. Not, I mean, Rudy or Adrian? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. We're gonna make. We're gonna I make, think Rudy would be great at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God rest his soul. Uh, really, just very shocking to to sort of learn that on Friday for sure. Uh, from San Francisco, uh, you know. Um, in fact, he, uh, I think he got kicked out of a newspaper in San Francisco because of his reporting. Yes, he did. He got kicked out of a basilica. He got kicked out of a USCCD press conference uh, and many numerous other times that I'm not aware of that I'm sure uh, close friends and colleagues of his would like to relay a story to. I I think it would be wonderful if if we could have a conversation with with, uh, Michael or or Paul Kengor and find out more more things that reflect on George Neumeyer. Yeah, for sure. Adrian, were you going to say something? Yes, the, uh, you know, George, it was really interesting because I was thinking about this, you know, the same as y'all, and I was thinking, there really isn't independent journalism in the Catholic world too much. I was trying to think of other examples of independent journalists, people who just report for whoever, they'll just, they're like, I just want to get the story out, whoever will pick me up, I'll give it to them, and uh, that's, that's not, that doesn't exist, and journalism in general is dead. Yeah. I just thought, I just thought that was very interesting. Eternal rest, grant unto him, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon him. May the souls of the faithful depart at the mercy of God rest in peace. We recommend George Newmar to Our Lady, Queen of Sorrows. Pray for him. Amen. Tito Edwards, BigPulpit.com. Thanks for carrying the story today. God bless you. God love you. Go to BigPulpit.com for many, many great links. The best of the Catholic blogosphere and more. BigPulpit.com. 
The game show comes up next. Call now to be the contestant, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. What does the word apologetics mean? The word apologetics is derived from an ancient Greek word apologia or apologia, which means an apology. Not an apology in the modern sense of the word, which is to say you're sorry for something, but rather an apology in the ancient sense of the word, which is to make a reasoned defense of something or someone. In ancient times, the word apology referred to the case a lawyer would make on behalf of his client. So apologetics is about building the case for our faith, learning how to explain and defend our faith. Basically, there are three types of apologetics, natural, Christian, and Catholic. Natural apologetics builds the case for truths that we can know from the natural light of reason, truths that are able to be known without any divine intervention, truths such as the existence of God, the innate spirituality of the human soul, the objective reality of right and wrong, truths which the articles of our faith rest upon and build upon. Christian apologetics, on the other hand, builds the case for divinely revealed truths, truths that cannot be known by reason apart from faith. Truths such as the reality of biblical miracles, the divinity of Christ, the virgin birth, and the resurrection, to name a few. Catholic apologetics encompasses all of Christian apologetics since Catholicism is the fullness of Christianity. But Catholic apologetics tends to focus on those truths of Christianity that are not generally believed by non-Catholic Christians. Truths such as the Catholic Church having been founded by Jesus Christ, the papacy, the sacraments, the Immaculate Conception, and others. Again, the three main types of apologetics are natural, Christian, and Catholic. And in this course, we will be focusing mainly on Catholic apologetics, how to explain and defend the truths of our Catholic faith. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and fear. <sighs> And Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas. But you can't tell anybody, all right? It's the messianic secret. You got to keep it just between us. And if you do that, I will tell you what my secrets and agendas are. But what I need more than that is a caller, a contestant to play the game, all right? So the phone number is wide open to you right now. If you've never played, it's fun. Trust me on this. 877-757-9424. If it's been a while since you played, you're welcome to call back. 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. One more time. Phone number is 877 877- 757-9424, Adrian, standing by to take your call. But there are a few things we like to do on the down low, the QT. We don't tell anybody, so keep this between us. Number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something you didn't know before about your Catholic faith. Praise be to God. 
And then, of course, number two, we like to have a laugh, a good time, a chuckle when our callers make that call at 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. But it's more than just learning and laughing. It's also giving stuff away, which is, you know, in, you know manipulating your emotions. But nonetheless, you could learn, you could laugh. And you could win, but you have to call to do it. 877-757-9424. The secret sauce, the kicker in all of this is we don't ask our callers the questions. So they don't need to know the correct answers. They could win without ever actually knowing a correct answer. The reason is because instead of asking them, I'm going to ask Rudy and I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will have 15 seconds to make a choice. They, is it Rudy? Is it Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. But they have to call 877-757-9424 to try to win. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. Rudy, what could they win? Well, I thought this week we'd do something a little different. No prize this week. Ah, <laughs> uh, just kidding. Our sponsor this week is my good friend, Trisha. She is an expert crochet artist. And when I, I say an expert crochet mm-hmm. artist, I'm talking mm-hmm. about she is creative. I see. And she makes some amazing saint dolls. Really? Uh, I have a couple of those myself, but I don't belong, <laughs> they don't belong to me. They belong to my, my dear little daughter, and she loves mm-hmm. them. So this week, we're going to give away one of her beautiful saints dolls. Uh, please make sure to check out her Etsy page. Her Etsy uh, page is... Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Trisha's Creations Zero. Really? Thank you so much, Trisha, for uh, sponsoring our game show this week. Um, just curious. Why the zero in the end? Well, <clears throat> she has two different pages. I so see. one oh. is different crochet arts. Another one mm-hmm. is her, her particular Saints apps. Perhaps this week, uh, Adrian will send the link yeah, in to our the email. email. That's great. Uh, the CDT Insider email, which, by the way, you can join at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Join the Insider email. You can also get access to the CDT Telegram group there, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But at this point, I have no caller on the line, so can't play the game unless we play the game and I get to decide who possibly wins the prizes. That, that could be mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the chance one more time to call in, play the game, have a laugh with us, 877-757-9424, is that phone number. Looks like somebody's calling in right now, praise be to God. And so uh, we'll give them just a moment to get all set up, and then we'll play our game now. Three questions on the board. And I'm looking at this, and uh, I'm going to say this. Uh, you're only going to learn one thing today. Just one? Yeah. Just, oh. There's just, well, then. Yeah, only one thing. I'm look, at all three, the other two look like total give, giveaways. Like, I'm not sure who picked these questions, but they look like absolute giveaways today. What should be the punishment for the person who picked the questions? Like a millstone? Mm, you talking about? Like a about... smaller one? Because it's not like it's a major problem, but it's a minor one. So maybe a tiny millstone? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like enough for a mini loaf of bread? And then, like, we'll give him a life jacket and the millstone so he has a fighting chance. 
Uh, you see, before we toss him into the You're ocean. so merciful, Joe. I know. So merciful. Joseph the Merciful. Speaking of which, let's go to the phones. Kim and Tony, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. How are you? We are good. We always listen to you guys in the morning. We love it. You're Thanks amazing. We appreciate having you on the team. Thanks for doing it. By the way, have you guys gotten your car raffle tickets? I mean, I heard Tony would love a brand new Mercedes. Oh, my goodness. We have not done that. We need to do that. Oh, wow. That's, that's a good day for that, I Tony, come pick us up. we got to go to Taco Cabana. <laughs> that's right. Okay. It would be a good time <laughs> hanging out. All right. You guys right. are veterans. I know you know how this all works. Are you ready to play? Yes, and it's Rudy wearing a tie. It's Rudy wearing a tie. Oh, excellent question, Tony. <laughs> See, this is where the rookies really don't understand, but you, Tony, you, you know what you're doing here. It's clear. You asked the most pertinent question of all, can Rudy be trusted? I meant, is Rudy wearing a tie? <laughs> oh. <laughs> in fact, in fact, he That's is. That's funny, because huh? last week I didn't wear one at all. I noticed. This uh, week I'm wearing yeah, one. Yeah, so. I've noticed that, too. It, this is the Paisley tie. <laughs> what? Does yeah. it mean? This is so, the uh, this is a bone colored paisley pattern. I see with uh, mm -hmm. crimson, blue, uh -huh. and uh, cream. Yeah, someone's charting whether or not you wear ties and what that means. Like it, they're correlating the data, they're connecting dots. I'm just saying. Mm. I think there was a talk in, in the Davos uh, conference about this That's very true. thing. But yeah. uh, let's nonetheless let's play the game. Rudy is our first uh, first one up. We're gonna. Go with Rudy because he's our church-approved tradition. Are you ready, Rudy? I am ready. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you really, really, really? <laughs> I'm really, really sure. Really sure. All right. Really, really. Okay. Uh, could you tell me then who really? is the patron saint of hospital administrators, not hospital janitors? Oh, hospital. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. All right. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. That's actually Saint Francis Cabrini. And please, Lord, never send me to a hospital. I never want to go to a hospital ever. 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 For any reason? For no reason whatsoever. Toe fungus? Just let me die. No. St. Francis Cabrini, pray Gross. for us. Okay, interesting. Huh. Okay, uh, Adrian, perhaps you could help. I once uh, heard that you had uh, darkened the doorway of a hospital for some odd reason. Yeah, it was when uh -huh. I was uh, born. Oh, <laughs> well, how dark was it? That's the question. But anyway, Pretty could dark. you tell me who was the patron saint? Of hospital administrators? Yes, that would be St. Stanislaus. Really? Yep. Wow. All right, Kim and Tony, you've got options. The patron saint of hospital administrators. Adrian seems to think it's St. Stanislaus, whereas Rudy says it's St. Francis Cabrini. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Kim and Tony, what say you? Is it going to be typical Adrian? Oof. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, in in my defense, I I typically warn people about admitting Adrian I, I is mean, correct. You technically, but... you did tell him that Rudy was wearing a tie. I did. You I did, did say that. bring that up. I don't did really know I? what that means, but I, you did say it. That's I don't true. either. Yeah. I don't feel bad anymore. All of a <laughs> Adrian's wearing a tie too. You know? What? <laughs> See, I told you, Adrian's wearing a tie. Anyway, uh, Saint Francis Cabrini was the correct answer, but don't stress. We can get you in the cup. We're going to go to question number two with Adrian. Adrian, are you ready? Uh, no. Hardest question of today. Name four of the seven corporate works of mercy. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Instruct the Ignorant. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with Counsel the Doubtful, Comfort the Afflicted, and Teach the Faith. 
Say it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Instruct the ignorant. Uh, ignorance. Counsel the doubtful. Doubts. Bear wrongs patiently and pray for the living and the dead. There okay. Go. Ignorance, That's where gonna go doubt, to. bearing, I gave you dead. all seven. Ignorance, doubt, bearing, dead. Got it. Rudy, what all say right. you, sir? Can you give me four of the seven corporate works of mercy? To feed, to give, drink, clothes, shelter, and visit the sick. I got it. You can also go Whoa. visit the imprisoned. Look at you go. All right. All That's right. More than Kim four. and Tony, you got options. Rudy says four of the seven corporal works, corporal works of mercy were to feed, to give drink, to clothe, to shelter, to visit the sick. But you could also throw in uh, visit the imprisoned and bury the dead. Whereas Adrian was on the board for instruct ignorance. Uh, doubt, uh, help counsel the doubtful. Counsel the doubtful. And bury the dead. Forgive the, forgive the, forgive for the living the dead. So yes. <laughs> 15 <laughs> seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Kim and Tony, what say you? It's Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I didn't want to repeat Duh. any of that. <laughs> to feed, <laughs> to give drink, to clothe, to shelter, to visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, and bury the dead. Those are the corporate works. trying mercy. to remember the All right, mercy. we got to hurry. Next, the third question. Rudy. Where are the headquarters for the Catholic Foreign Mission Society of America? Well, you're going to need yourself a blue helmet to enter here. Really? Because it's at the UN building in New York City. You're kidding. Yeah. And i got to wear the blue helmet thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Adrian, what say you? Where is the headquarters for the Catholic Foreign Mission Society of America? Mary Knoll, New York. Oh, Not New York City. He's going to go with Mary Knoll. Yep. Because, why? Because they had magazines, the Mary Knoll. I don't know anything about it. Because Father Capadano wanted to be a Mary Knoll priest, ended up being a martyr in Vietnam. All right, Kim and Tony, where is the headquarters for the Foreign Mission Society of America? Is it the UN, as Rudy said, or Mary Knoll, New York, as Adrian said? 15 seconds, what say you? Adrian. Yeah. Make the Mary Knoll great again, we say. Praise be to God. Kim and Tony, always a good time. Thank you for the laugh. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. God bless you guys. Kim and Tony, have a great day wherever you're going. I know, Tony, you're going to school. We're going to be praying for you today. Pray for us, too. Hey, that's going to do it for the radio side. Join us in the after show. Let's uh, conversate directly. You can find one of the live video feeds at grnonline.com forward slash cd. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Celebrate the anniversary of for in, in the eyes of the United States for a, pr- a day of prayer for the full restoration and legal guarantee of the right to life. The, the intention for today's mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio.
Please join us in singing, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. We offer this Mass for various occasions and thanksgiving to God for the gift of human life. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. God, our Creator, we give thanks to you, who alone have the power to impart the breath of life as you form each of us in our mother's womb. Grant, we pray, that we whom you have made stewards of creation may remain faithful to the sacred trust and constant in safeguarding the dignity of every human life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Christ is mediator of a new covenant, since a death has taken place. For deliverance from transgressions under the first covenant, those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. For Christ did not enter into a sanctuary made by hands, a copy of the true one, but heaven itself, that he might now appear before God on our behalf. Not that he might offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters each year into the sanctuary with blood that is not his own. If that were so, he would have had to suffer repeatedly from the foundation of the world. But now, once for all, he has appeared at the end of the ages to take away sin by his sacrifice, just as it is appointed that human beings die once, and after this the judgment, so also Christ, offered once to take away the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to take away sin, but to bring salvation to those who eagerly await him. The word of the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. The Lord has made his salvation known. In the sight of the nations he has revealed his justice. He has remembered his kindness and faithfulness toward the house of Israel. Sing to the Lord a new song, 
for he, he has done marvelous deeds. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Break into song, sing praise. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. Sing praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, sing joyfully before the King, the Lord. Sing, sing to, to the, the Lord a new song, song for, for he has done marvelous deeds. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Our Savior Jesus Christ has destroyed death and brought life to light through the gospel. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The scribes who had come from Jerusalem said of Jesus, He is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he drives out demons. Summoning them, he began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. That is the end of him. But no one can enter a strong man's house to plunder his property unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Amen, I say to you, all sins and all blasphemies that people utter will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an everlasting sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus speaks in the Gospel about in a way, the unforgivable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit, perhaps has kind of one main aspect to it. That is, uh, when we look at something and we say that that is not, absolutely not of God, but it is, we call it something evil, like the Pharisees pointing to Jesus and saying, you know, he's the cause of evil, um, and by demons he drives out demons. All the good that Jesus was doing was simply seen as something in their, their mind, in their view, as something evil and wrong coming from the devil. Well, of course, Jesus being God, that's absolutely impossible. But because they, because they saw it that way, then there was, there, there was a way that they could not receive forgiveness. They could not have repentance. They could not receive God's mercy because they were never open to it. St. Paul says something in his letters. Is there will come a time when we will call evil good and good evil. Well, if, if in St. Paul's day that, that didn't happen, it sure does happen in our day. We call things that we look at, they say, this should be good. They say, no, that's wrong, that's bigoted, that's, that's prejudice, and so on and so forth. And then things that are absolutely evil, which we, which we recognize today in the Mass that we're celebrating, things like sins against life, particular abortion, euthanasia, these are seen as good. First they were seen as, well, this is my basic right. 
and then, of course, that doesn't hold much, much water for very long, and then it became health care. I don't know how long that's going to be able to hold, but it, keep, they keep, it keeps moving the ball, because ultimately it's, it's, it's irrational. It doesn't make any sense. I think in, you know, ever since Roe v. Wade has been overturned, I think we recognize that we've won a battle in the battle for life, but there's still the war to be, to be fought. And maybe, and we've, we've kind of just been satisfied with the fact that that has happened in the Supreme Court decision, but we have a long way to go. I think we have done very well in helping the world to understand that the church stands on the side of life. Probably what we haven't done as well is helping the world to see the importance and the dignity of life. That it is really a gift of God. Or as St. Thomas would point out, is a very philosophical principle, it is better to be than not to be. Not too long ago, I celebrated a funeral for um, a middle-aged woman who, uh, who had Down syndrome, and uh, the, she, she was in a state home, and they took very, very good care of her, and they would express how much this woman was a gift to them, how much personality she had, even though she could barely utter about two words, mama and daddy, were <laughs> the two words that she could say. But she could really express herself well, and it taught them, you know, how to love more deeply. They also said that, you know, as time goes by, particularly in the state school here in Texas, there's less and less people coming with Down syndrome because they've already been eliminated. But all those people, whatever their mental capacities, human life is a gift, is a gift. That is something we still have to really impart, that it comes from God, that every person has dignity. We, or perhaps we, look, we see it very good in theory, but when it comes to execution, practice, helping those who are having difficulties, uh, difficult pregnancies, or people who have uh, mental difficulties, and recognizing that gift of life, and actually, in, let's say, promoting it and helping to see how, how precious that gift is, well, we probably have some work to do there, too. To show the world that it is important, not just as an idea, but the gift of life is so fundamental in our world. I like what Ronald Reagan, the former President Ronald Reagan had to say, he said he always thought it was interesting that the people who were fighting for abortion were people who were already alive. <laughs> I think he had an incredible insight. Let us ask the Lord to help us. Ask the Lord to help us to proclaim that message of life. Let us ask the Lord to help the world to, uh, with a conversion of heart, to see the dignity of all human life. In his eyes, every person is precious. Every person is willed by God. Every person is loved by God. Amen. Let us bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father. Let us pray for the Holy Church of God, that it may be ever deeper and greater light to the dignity of human life in the world, we pray to the Lord. We pray in this week for Christian unity, that all Christians would be united in Christ 
that we'd come to the, the fullness of the truth in the Catholic faith. Let us pray uh, that all divisions would cease. The prayer of Jesus, the Garden of Gethsemane, would be fulfilled, that we'd all be one. We pray to the Lord. Let us pray for those who are sick and who are suffering. They may unite their sufferings to Christ for the good of souls. They may be consoled also by our Lord Jesus, by his healing touch. We pray to the Lord. Let us pray for all those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. We pray to the end of abortion. We pray to the end of euthanasia. All those uh, ways that are that against life, that destroy life and its dignity, we pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, you know the many needs we have in this life. We bring all of our prayers and petitions before you, confident you hear and answer us through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands it will become our spiritual drink blessed be God forever pray dearly beloved that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the almighty father praise and glory of his name for our good and the good of all his holy church accept our humble offerings O Lord of the of the living and unite us to the perfect sacrifice of your son through whom you have made all creation new who lives and reigns forever and ever amen the Lord be with you lift up your hearts let us give thanks to the Lord our God it is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. In him you have been pleased to renew all things, giving us all a share in his fullness. For though he was in the form of God, he emptied himself, and by the blood of his cross brought peace to all creation. Therefore he has been exalted above all things, and to all who obey him has become the source of eternal salvation. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria Tuba, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus 
quivani denomine domini Hosanna in excelsis To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants, all those who are joining us through Guadalupe Radio, those who are joining us online, those who find themselves in crisis pregnancies, and all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you. For them we offer you this sacrifice of praise or the offer for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls in hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true in communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, mother of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, and all your saints. We ask that through their merits and prayers in all things, we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, his almighty Father, giving you thanks. He said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the Blessed Passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation.
be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who those sinners, hope in your abundant mercies. Graciously grant some share and fellowship with your apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord, through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. But only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
For those who cannot receive our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament at this time, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion with us. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let us pray. Increase your love within us, Lord God, by the saving mysteries we have celebrated, and bring people everywhere to respect your gift of human life through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, Et Spes Nostra Salve. A te clamamos, exules filii hebe, a te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Eha ergo, advocata nostra, idos tuos, Misericordes oculos, ad nos converte. Et Jesus, benedictum frutum ventris tui, nobis post hoc exilium ostende. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. 
May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Leon Fontana from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. You're listening to KSHJ Houston AM 1430, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.